Chapter 12 of The Exploits of Juve by Marcella Lane and Pierre Suvestra. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 12 Following Josephine. The captives had been recognized and had been set at liberty. They had scarcely got a few yards from the police station when Juve took the journalist's arm. Let's make haste, he cried. This foolish arrest has made us lose precious hours. You have a plan, Juve? What is it? We must now turn our attention to Josephine. We must use her as bait to catch the others. The girl won't be much longer at La Reboisière. She will be extremely anxious to leave that place and... And go back to clear herself of treachery in Lupart's eyes? Is that it? added Fandor. Exactly. Accordingly, here is our plan of action. I must go at once to the prefecture and advise Monsieur Harvard of our adventure. Meanwhile, you go to the hospital, contrive to see Josephine, make sure she has not left, watch her, and then wait for me. In two hours at the latest, I shall be with you. All right, Juve, you can reckon on me. Josephine will not escape me. Fandor was already moving off when Juve called him back. Wait. If ever for one reason or another you want an appointment with me, telegraph to the safety room 44 in my name. I will see that the messages always reach me. A quarter of an hour later, Fandor was turning into the Rue Ambroise Paré, when all at once as he passed a woman he gave a start. Hello, he cried. That's something we didn't bargain for. The woman walked along the Boulevard Chapelle towards the Boulevard Barbès. Fandor followed her. When the great clock which adorns the main front of the Lerboisière building struck six, the nurses in the hospital were busy finishing their preparations for the night. The surgeon in Dr. Patel's division was just concluding his evening's visit to the patients. With a word of encouragement and cheer, he passed from bed to bed, until he reached the one at the end of the ward. The young woman occupying it was sitting up. "'So you want to be off,' exclaimed the surgeon. "'Yes, doctor.' "'Then you're not comfortable here?' "'Yes, doctor, but—' "'But what? Are you still afraid?' "'No, no.' The patient spoke these last words so confidently that the surgeon could not help smiling. "'Do you know,' he observed, "'that in your place I should be much less confident. What are you going to do? Where do you think of going when you leave here? Come, now you are still very weak. You had better spend the night here.' You could go tomorrow morning after the round at eleven. It would be much more rational. The young woman shook her head and replied curtly, I want to go now, sir, at once. Very good. They will give you your ticket. The doctor gone, the young woman quickly jumped out of bed and began to dress herself. You don't suppose I'm going to stay here a minute longer than I have to, she grumbled with a laugh to her neighbor, who was watching her preparations with an envious eye. Someone waiting for you? Sure there is. Lupart won't be pleased that I'm not back yet. Are you going from here to his place? You bet I am. This she said in a tone that showed plainly she found the thing quite natural. The other was not of her mind. Oh, well, I should be scared only at the thought of seeing that man. You are jolly lucky not to have been killed by him. And when he has got hold of you... But Josephine laughed merrily. My dear, she said. You don't know what you're saying. Depend on it. If Lupart didn't kill me, it's because he didn't want to. He's a splendid shot. I suppose he has his reasons for not wanting me to stay here. I don't know his affairs, and besides, I came here without consulting him. A vigorous hush from the nurse on duty stopped the conversation. 
Josephine, meanwhile, completed her toilette. A nurse had brought her back the clothes she wore when she entered the hospital. She slipped on a poor muslin skirt, laced her bodice, buttoned her boots, and set her curls straight. She was ready. I'm off, she cried gaily to the porter as she held out her pass to him. Thank the Lord I'm going, and I have no fancy to come back to your hotel. Once in the street, Josephine walked quickly. She cast a glance at the clock at a cab stand, and found she was behind time. She went along the Rue Ambroise Pere, then turned on to the outer boulevards. The dinner hour being at hand, the populous streets of the Chapelle Quarter were at their lowest ebb of animation. The bookshops had long since released their employees. The cafés were giving up their customers. Fandor, having recognized Josephine, followed her closely as she passed the outer boulevards, then by Boulevard Barbès. Beyond a doubt, she is bound for the Guat d'Or, he muttered. Some minutes later, sure enough, she reached her home. Very good. The bird is back in the nest. My job is now to watch the visitors who come to call on her. Opposite Josephine's door, there was a wine shop. This Fandor entered. Writing materials, please, he ordered. I must drop a line to Juve, he thought. We must begin to set the trap. He was busy drawing up a detailed plan of the neighborhood when, on raising his head, he gave a violent start and, throwing a coin on the table, rushed out of the shop. She is well disguised, but there is no mistaking her. Without losing sight of the woman he was watching, Fandor reached the Metropolitan Station. Good Lord, what does this mean? he muttered. Where is she off to? She's taking a first-class ticket. Can she have an appointment with Shalik? He also took a ticket behind the young woman and reached the platform. I'm going where she goes, he thought. But where the devil are we bound for? Lupart's mistress was the embodiment of a charming Parisian. Her gown was tailor-made of navy blue, plain but perfectly cut. She wore little shoes with high heels, and no one would have recognized in the well-dressed woman who got out of the Metropolitan at the Lyon station, the burnisher who, a little while ago, had left L'Herboisière. Josephine had scarcely taken a few steps on the great square which divides Boulevard Diderot from the Lyon station, when a young man, quietly dressed, came towards her. He ogled her, then, in a voice of marked cordiality, said, Can I say a few words to you? But, sir... Two words, mademoiselle, I beg of you. Speak, she said at last, after seeming to hesitate, halting on the edge of the pavement. Oh, not here. Surely you'll accept a glass. The young woman made up her mind. Very well, if you like. The couple directed their steps towards the neighboring brasserie, and neither the young man nor Josephine dreamed of noticing that a passer-by entered the place in their wake. Fandor did not take a seat at one of the little tables outside, but made for the interior, cleverly finding means to watch the two at a glass. Is this the person Josephine was to meet, he wondered? Can he be a messenger of Lupart's? Yet she did not seem to know him. Hello? Just as the waiter was bringing two glasses of wine to the table where Josephine and her partner had seated themselves, the young woman suddenly arose, and without taking leave made for the door. Fandor managed to pass close to the deserted man. He heard the waiter jokingly say, Not very kind, a little lady, eh? I should think not. Didn't take her long to give me the slip. Then in a tone of regret the young man added, Pity, she was a nice little thing. That's all right, thought Fandor. Now I know that Josephine accepted the drink because she thought he was sent by Lupart or one of the gang. 
Once enlightened as to his real object, she left him abruptly. Tracking the young woman, Fandor now felt sure he was going to witness an interesting meeting. Josephine, however, seemed in no hurry. She inspected the illustrated papers in the kiosks, and presently reached the box where platform tickets are distributed. Having taken one, she sat down near the foot of the staircase which leads to the refreshment rooms. Behind her, Fandor also took a ticket, and going up the stairs, leaned against the balustrade. "'I am waiting for someone,' he said to the waiter who appeared. "'You may bring me a cup of coffee.' Scarcely five minutes had passed, when Fandor saw a shabby-looking man approach Josephine and begin an earnest conversation. The man drew from his pocket a greasy notebook. From it he took a paper, which he handed to the young woman, who promptly put it away in her handbag. Fandor was puzzled. Where was she going? Why did this person hand her a ticket? The man pointed to a train where passengers were already taking their seats. The Marseille train. So Lupart has left Paris. Then he called a messenger. Go and get me a first-class ticket to Marseille. Here is money. Is there a telegraph office near at hand? On the arrival platform, sir. Right. I will give you a message to take. Go and hurry back. Fandor took out his notebook and scrawled a message. Juve, Prefecture of Police, Room 44. Have met Josephine and followed her. She is off first class by Marseille train. Don't know her destination. Will wire you as soon as there is anything fresh. Fandor. End of chapter 12.